It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are the Rain and Jays. John Corrales here along with Jay King there. Welcome you back to another week of Celtics talk. This is the kickoff week to the Celtics season, to the NBA season. They start on Wednesday, ridiculously, with a back-to-back and three games and four nights. But whatever, that's just what the <laughs> schedule is, I guess. NBA schedule, man. It just you're at the mercy of multi-use arenas and things that are already booked and just the Bruins are playing on Tuesday so they're playing on Tuesday and you got to play on Wednesday you got to start with a back-to-back so whatever I'd like to remind everybody to listen to the entire Lockdown Podcast Network subscribe to us if you haven't already if this is your first time here thank you subscribe to us by searching Lockdown Celtics on your favorite podcasting app or wherever it is you listen to Rate us five stars if you have not done that already. It helps boost our confidence as well as our ratings and gets the word out there and gives us a little extra beer money on top of everything. So please, come on, hook us up a little bit here. Uh, so, all right, let's kick this off. The, the, a few things, to like housekeeping things to get out of the way. The season starts. By the time you listen to this, this is the Monday show. In a couple of days, the season will start. And the real big question is, will Marcus Smart be part of the team active and participating with his injured left ankle? So, Jay, I guess what, what's the latest that you've heard with him? Latest is basically they still haven't ruled him out for the opener. Obviously, that's a big deal. He is going to play a lot of minutes off the bench. He is going to give them some playmaking. If he's out, Terry Rozier will be needed probably for more minutes. Jalen Brown, Gerald Green, those guys will have bigger roles. And especially with Kelly Olenek out, that would be probably your two best bench players out of the lineup on opening night if Smart doesn't play. It's a big deal if he plays. It would be very helpful if he does play. But they're playing the Nets, so they're probably going to win regardless. Well, you would hope so, and that's the big thing. They play the Bulls the next night. They go from Boston to Chicago to play the next night. I think that would be the game. I'd rather have Smart, if we're picking one of these games, I'd rather have him for that because as weird as the Bulls are, they, I mean, that perimeter is still dangerous. They can at least drive with Rondo and Wade and Butler. So, such a weird team, man. Like, it's a really weird such team. Such a weird team. A yeah. lot of guys you kind of worry about, but together, not convinced it's going to work. Yeah, it's it's very... 
I, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. But at the very least, you still need to be worried about them defensively. So I'd rather have Marcus ready for that. So we'll see what happens. You know, he, practice is on Monday, and we'll see. He's not going to practice Monday. We know that. Brad Stevens has said that. But that doesn't mean that he can't practice on Tuesday and be ready for either Wednesday or Thursday. Kelly Olynyk cleared for some contact, getting back out there. What's the latest word with him? Kelly Olynyk, he probably won't be back until mid-November at the late, at the earliest. Rather, he's back in back at practicing though, and he he did some five-on-five stuff, which is exciting. I I, I keep wondering if the shoulder injury will impact his shooting. I, I can remember when Avery Bradley came off, he was horrendous the year after his shoulder surgery. Just could not put the ball in the middle of the ocean. And he told me, he said, Ty Lu told me this was going to happen. He told me I am going to shoot terribly after this surgery. And I didn't believe him until I started shooting brick after brick after brick. And it took it took him a while. It took him... If you look at the numbers, the year after his shoulder surgery, Avery Bradley took a fierce dip in three-point shooting, like a horrendous dip. His true shooting percentage was disgusting the year after he came back from shoulder surgery. So hopefully Kelly Olenek does not have to go through that. He's been shooting for a long time. He, he's, he's been able to shoot. He's, he's been cleared for non-contact stuff since the beginning of training camp. So you hope that he will be able to shoot the ball like he like Kelly Olynyk does because that's a big deal for them. If he can't come back and shoot above average from the three-point arc, that's a huge loss for them because he's one of the few guys on their team who who's an above average three-point shooter. So they need Kelly Olynyk to come back and be the threat and be the shooter because they don't have many of them. So I'm a, I'm curious to see what he comes back as when when he whenever he does come back probably middle of November maybe a little later I, I'm really curious to see if 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 that bothers him from behind the arc. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I mean that that has happened to other people and and they respond different ways, I suppose. But yeah, that's going to have to be a wait and see. I think. Kelly Olenek is just a more natural shooter than Avery Bradley. So I think he can get back into it maybe a little quicker, but that's just me being that I'm just taking a guess there. I have no idea. You know, the shoulder is a tricky thing, but if it's surgically repaired and it's comfortable and it's not painful, then I don't see why he couldn't return to shooting. The rest of that is in your head. So I don't know how much is going on in Kelly Olenek's head. Maybe that's just <laughs> going to play to his advantage. I, I, I will say this, that at this point, I expect him to wear that backwards hat out into the court, e- even if he forgets. He is, he is big on the backwards hat, man. He wears it everywhere. He he must sleep in that thing. He wore it to the the biggest fashion event that they go to. Like Everyone else was so dressed up. Oh, there's Kelly Olynyk with his suit from four years ago from Rajon Rondo and a backwards hat. And a stain on it. And a stain on it. <laughs> Had to have the stain. Kelly, <laughs> Kelly is a mess. I love it, though. I love it. Uh, one other piece of business that we're all waiting for, it depends on when you listen to the show, we may find out if R.J. Hunter or James Young have been cut. Monday's the day. Monday's the deadline. 
So if you listen first thing in the morning, then we're all still waiting, but it's probably going to go down to the very end because the Celtics would probably rather have some other team make the decision for them. Both of those guys are basically available for a second-round pick. And a team like, I don't know, Chicago that has no shooting, why wouldn't they want to bring a guy in? I have to look at – I don't know what their cap situation is or, or whatever. I think, I think Chicago is the only team with a roster spot. I could be wrong there. but There you go. But they, they don't have picks, I, I think. I, I, I could be wrong there, though. Don't, don't quote me on that. It doesn't. It doesn't even really matter. That I think we're, I'm just throwing things out there, but that that's the type of team that look. If you're desperate for shooting and you look at these two guys, look, there's a guy available right there that R.J. Hunter or James Young. They're supposed to be shooters, and if the numbers game has forced the Celtics to get rid of one, why not take a shot? And if you could pick which one. This there's this is the reason why you would trade for a guy rather than wait for him to get cut. You get to pick either of the two, so you get to say, "Oh, I like James Young better than R.J. Hunter." Then you could choose, "Hey, Danny, I'd like to trade for James Young," or if you say it doesn't matter, we'll see which one gets cut, and then we'll just pick him up and and see where it goes. If you have any sort of fear that another team would pick up one of those guys which I don't know why you would fear that, but who knows. But if you had any sort of fear that the waiver process might not work out in your favor, then you give Danny Ainge one of those protected second-round picks and you move on with it. So, But I don't think that's going to happen. I think everybody's just going to kind of wait and see what happens, and, and Ainge is going to have to make a decision, which it's kind of curious. I'm kind of curious how this is going to go. Yeah, we'll see. Either James Young or R.J. Hunter will not be on the team – a day after this podcast is published. Yeah. So, but yeah, we'll see who it is. By the time we record the next podcast, we that'll be the topic of the conversation. Do you think we've talked more about James Young and RJ Hunter during the last like week than we will during the rest of the season? I think we've talked about them more in the course of the, the past couple of weeks than we will for the rest of our lives. That is just so much conversation. It's so funny that I had one one show where I said, who cares about the final roster spot? And I got I got crap for it on Twitter. I think we lost the listener over it. Is it because I swore or because I just don't care about the last roster spot fight as much as some people? I, I'll talk about it. I care. Uh, it's curious. I'm interested in it. But... All I, I'll say this. I'm following along on Twitter, and I see bloggers from all of these other teams saying, oh, such and such a guy beat out that guy for the last roster spot. And I'm looking like, so? So what? And then, it, then we're doing the same thing. And for us, it's like, oh, man, I can't believe this race for the last roster spot. But, but the, it, difference, the difference is both those guys are first-round picks. Yeah, of course. So, so when other guys are being beaten out for roster spots, it's someone who was an undrafted free agent or someone who bounced out of the league a couple years ago and is trying to make a comeback. These guys are first-round picks and recent first-round picks who are still young and still have the, the talent that, that made them first-round picks. They're both, they both could be become, at some point, three-point shooters and wings with a little bit of size like obviously rj hunter isn't the strongest guy 
James Young is 6'7", pretty strong, big guy. So shooters with size, they don't come around a lot. So so that that's the reason why I think people care, because they are first-round picks. Sure, and, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different, no yeah. doubt about that. And I'm not... I'm I'm kind of overstating it a little bit because we we care because it's a storyline. It's something that is up up for debate still. In the grand scheme of things, no one expects either of these guys to make any sort of real impact on the team this year. We're just more kind of waiting for one of those guys to develop into something that might be useful in the next two or three years. So, but look, yeah, they were first round picks and it's unusual to cut first round picks at this stage of their careers, but they, there weren't lottery picks. So they were late first round picks at, at a, at a point in a draft where a guy not panning out is not out of the question. So it's, it's unusual, but it's not like such a shot. It's not like they're, they're, uh, thinking about cutting Marcus smart. Yeah. I mean. Who would ever do that, man? <laughs> right. So. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, all right. So that's that. We'll see. We'll talk about this a lot more in the next show. So, uh, okay. The, the other big thing here is these this 538, their Carmelo rankings, which I love it. The uh, So if you don't know what they are, 538.com puts out projections. They they do a lot of statistical forecasting. They're big on the election, they're big on basketball. They they take these formulas and they project out what they think will happen and they've they've put rankings on players and then this past week they came out with rankings of teams. So team by team forecast they have simulated the season, and they now have put out projected records. And for the Celtics, they are, what, 10th in the NBA? So top third, okay, top 10 in the NBA. Not, not bad, but at 47 wins. So yeah. 47 wins is a little bit lower than I think most of us have been thinking I personally have been thinking that they could they can win 50 games and they can yeah I, I think somewhere in the low 50 range is is pretty good for them so they've got them at 47 and 35 so look it's it's only three more games really that we're talking about but it just feels a little low doesn't it it does and I think the reason for it is because all these statistical projections they grade Jared Sullinger as a very good player. Jared Sullinger, according to most advanced statistics, is a very good player. And yeah, sure, Sullinger was pretty good at basketball. He did a lot of good things. Al Horford, regardless of what the advanced statistics models say, he is a lot better at basketball. The Celtics, with Horford on the court during preseason... Outscored opponents by 38 points per 100 possessions. 38. So I think the statistical projections are underselling them a little bit in the first place. I would assume that they haven't adjusted for Terry Rozier's development. That is not a normal development from year one to year two, I think. I think he will have a better year 
than whatever projections they they had for him. I, I think another part of this is, that I, and we've talked about this before, last year when they, I think they hit their projection, their projection was 48 and they hit it right on the dot, or it was close to 48 and they hit it, they, they won 48 games. Last year, they first of all, they were very healthy. I'm not sure they'll be that healthy again. But it won't take them half the season to find the right rotations. Last year, they were playing David Lee and Tyler Zeller. That was their starting lineup the start of the year. David Lee played for half the season. They were 500, a 500 team, like 40 games into the year. And then obviously they went small to small lineups and they played a lot better. This year they'll have those small lineups that skill at all times from day one. So I, I'm I'm not convinced that these projections are indicative of what the Celtics will actually be. I don't I think they undervalue Al Horford. I think they probably undervalue the impact of the extra skill on the Celtics. And they they probably undervalue what Terry Rozier will be. So th- there are a lot of things about these projections that are probably a little off. I, I still think low 50s, 53, 54 if if they're really good. Something like that. That that'd, that'd be my I guess. And you know, the, the the projections have them third in the east, which fine. If they're third in the east, that's a good thing. Sure. Then they'll probably play the the Raptors, right? In the Eastern Conference final or the Eastern Conference semifinals for a chance to go to the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah. I mean that that sounds fair enough to me. I I have questions at the top of the the conference. I I keep having this feeling that Cleveland is going to coast more than we think. I think they are going to take a lot more uh, time off. I think guys like LeBron, who's a year older and has gone through another 100-game season, I, I think he will kind of relax and not turn things on until later in the year. So I don't think he's going to be in the MVP race. I don't think Cleveland, uh, I think they might just take this strategy of just getting to the playoffs healthy, and their seed doesn't matter. So does that mean they lose enough games to fall out of the top seed? I think it's possible that they could do that which means that Celtics or the Raptors could slide in to a top spot, not to say that they're the better team, but just regular season-wise. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more of a dogfight, which means, if you look at these rankings here, that the Cavaliers are projected to win 57 games. Well, maybe they win 52 games. So those five games will end up being losses to somebody, and maybe one of those games is the Celtics. So maybe the Celtics end up being better against... Poor competition like the Knicks, the Sixers, the the uh, the Nets. So, I think that there's much more room for the Celtics to pick up four or five wins here, which puts them into that 52 range. So, I, I these are fine ballpark predictions for for these teams, but it really doesn't take into account that human element, those decisions that people will make that maybe 
one team is just slightly more motivated to win certain games in the middle of the season than others. And that is just, you know, sometimes teams just say, yeah, screw it. Uh, we're not going to, we're not going to go crazy. If you, you, you win, you know, that's fine. We don't care about that. So I, I think that there's a lot of the human element that's not taken into account in projections like this. So I, I do agree that the Celtics will probably be in that low 50 range and along with Toronto. And I think Cleveland could fall into that low 50 range and we could have an interesting final week of the season where maybe a team can sneak into that one or, you know, one seed or something. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I I still think Cleveland's going to win the one seed. I I think despite the fact that they don't care about it and they think they're going to win the East regardless of where they have to play, they're just very good at basketball. True. (laughs) That is true. That is absolutely true. That's why you you come to the Locked On Celtics podcast because we give you analysis like the defending NBA champion is – very Pretty good, good at basketball. basketball. Yeah, yeah, they're good at basketball. That's a good thing. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting to see, and and they still have the Raptors at fifty one games, and maybe that's the Sullinger effect. Maybe the Sullinger uh, inclusion. Poor in Sullinger, that, man. In, yeah, I was just going to get into that. That this poor kid, he keeps having these stress reactions in his in his foot. It Although just, we don't know this one's a stress reaction, do we? I He's saw, just having surgery. I saw that the surgery was to put in a screw to combat recurring stress reactions. Damn. Yeah, that's just... And and you know what? That's what happens when you keep an extra 40 or 50 pounds. You put a lot of stress on your body. And when you're 6'10", 300 whatever pounds, every step you take is is tough it it is hard to to make your body move and so he had to get in shape he he had that wake-up call like jared you had a stress fracture in your foot get your ass in shape and he never did it and that's why the celtics didn't want to commit to him long term that's why they decided to let him go that's why they rescinded his qualifying offer and look, he hasn't even played a regular season game for the Raptors. And I, I hope I hope he gets healthy. I hope he gets in shape. I hope he plays really well. He seems like a pretty good kid. But that's the only reason the Celtics didn't want to keep him around was because they knew he couldn't get himself in the right shape to to move with guys on the perimeter and to stay healthy. And that that's it's been really his his biggest issue by far ever since he came to the league. Yeah, it would be nice if he became a better shooter. But if he could just stay healthy, if he could stay in shape, guy's still a good player. He just he just can't do it. He hasn't done it yet. And he's already already showing that the Celtics made a good decision not to keep him around. It, it he hasn't even played a regular season game and it already looks like a great decision to let him go. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really unfortunate. I, I agree. It's really unfortunate because he is he's a good player. He's a good player. He's a solid rotation player in the NBA. And if he can get this figured out and if he can just keep the weight off, he'll be he'll have a nice career. But he's just got to 
first of all, he's got to get healthy, and then he's got to stay disciplined. He's just you just have to. There's no choice. So, all right, back to these projections here. One thing that uh, Celtics fans will enjoy is that the Nets are projected to win 23 games, which, if accurate, if these predictions are accurate, it is the worst record in the NBA. Uh, I don't. Yay! <laughs> I don't even think they'll get to 20. I I bet somebody that I put the over under on 20, and I bet somebody uh, a bottle of Maker's Mark that if they win. A real a real high spender over here. High roller, John Corrales. Betting that Maker's Mark bottle. Well, it's 40 bucks. Yeah. It's a solid bottle of bourbon. Yeah. You know, it's a 40. I'm not going to I'm not betting, you know. I I got to I got to spend my bets around. Like I got to I got to save enough money to bet on a bunch of different things. So You you should be hoping for them to trade Brooke Lopez, man. I think they will. I think they will at some point. They ha- they they almost have to. So I-, I think that they will win less than twenty games. So, and if they you've tra- got Maker's Mark on it, man, you got, <laughs> you got a bottle of Maker's on it. Maker's yeah. not even a sponsor, but you could be. Well, you know that. Uh, some other interesting things. Just looking through these, uh, they've got the Bulls at forty-five wins, which we can't figure out. The Bulls. Who can figure out the Bulls at this point? I can tell you right now they won't win 45 games. I, I would be surprised. I think the Bulls are fighting for, like, the sixth or seventh seed. I think they're a 500 team that – Well, yeah. well, that's one of those things. The the, the stats, they, all they see is what guys did last year and who they were before. But now you put all non-shooters together – yeah. That is not a good mix. It, it's, they're not going to help each other. There's going to be no synergy there. So whatever the stats say, bet the under for those guys, man. Yeah, I, I'm no, with you. No way. I mean the under on the Carmelo. I don't, I don't know what the real over-under is. I'm whatever not a, it is, yeah. I'm but... not a Vegas guy. I, I'm not out here betting makers, mark bottles, or, or money or anything like that. <laughs> Unless it's poker, man. Only poker. <laughs> They've got the Pistons lower than I expected. At 39 and 43, although with the Reggie Jackson injury. That, I know that didn't go into account, but I think it will play a role. And the Hawks fighting for the eighth seed at 38 and 44. So the Dwight Howard effect, according to Carmelo, not really going to be a big thing. Look at the Pacers out of the playoffs, which I thought the Pacers, and I, I feel like the league-wide kind of consensus is that the, the Pacers are more like the middle-of-the-pack team. They're that, they lead that next pack in the, so the top of the Cleveland is the class of the east then you get the Raptors and the Celtics in the, that next tier but then you've got I thought I figured out the, the the Pacers would be in that tier after that with potentially Detroit and then I don't know then it got kind of weird the the east is just so weird man I don't know what to think about the east I know the Cavs are great then the Raptors and Celtics are both really good. After that, I have no clue what the hell is going to happen <laughs> in the Eastern Conference. Um, Anything. Like, what, like, look at the Wizards. They got John Wall. They've got Bradley Beal. They've got a new coach. What are they going to do? Are they going to be mediocre? Are they going to take a, a leap forward? Because they could. I don't know. We'll see. There's, there's a lot up, up for grabs in the East. And finally, finally, finally... 
Games are here this week. This week. Basketball, NBA basketball, real basketball. Yes. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I don't know if you could tell, but I'm pumped. (laughs) (laughs) It's exciting, yeah, because it's so fun. By the way, I'm completely interrupting you, and I'm sorry for that. Just want to give a a shout-out to the Ryan Kelly era, which did not last long enough to have a podcast about it. (laughs) He, (laughs) He was signed and waived both on the weekend, and... We just, yeah, it was in between podcasts. So the whole Ryan Kelly era was in between podcasts, and he's likely to join the main red class. So just want to give a shout out to the very quick and not incredibly productive Ryan Kelly era. It's hard to do something in between podcasts. We're doing five of them a week. It's hard. To, <laughs> it's hard for something to happen for in us not to talk about it like that. A whole era. The entire signing and waving gone. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll do a special red claws. Hello and goodbye, my dear friend. <laughs> <laughs> Real basketball in a matter of a couple of days. The Celtics and the Nets, and hopefully, geez, the one and O Celtics after that, because I would hate to start the season on a on a terrible note. But yeah, I think the Celtics and the Nets. I think that it's a nice cupcake opening for uh, the Celtics, and we'll see where it goes from there. Then it's the Bulls, and then we just keep marching on with the regular season. Basketball is back, folks, and we're here to talk about it five days a week. Subscribe if you haven't done that already. Rate us five stars. Check out the Locked On Network. Go and listen to the Locked On Nets podcast. Go listen to the Locked On Bulls. Check out these other teams. Check out what they're talking about. See what's going on. You know, kind of get a sense for what the enemy is talking about, and then you can have a, a nice little conversation with friends at work, impress them with your knowledge. Uh, until then, until the next <laughs> time, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about more and probably who won that last roster spot here on the Locked On Podcast, Locked On Celtics Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.